Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to be talking about the promises of God. How many of you love the promises of God? Um, He is so, so good, and he has given us so many promises. So let me read the scripture, and and we will pray and get into it this morning. Um, It says, There was a certain man named Ramoth Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham. Uh, son of Elihu, son of Tohu. Okay, I'm just going to skip over all the things I can't pronounce and say the name of the one was, uh, he had two wives. That The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, uh, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah. I had to look up to make sure I was pronouncing it right. It's actually, it's Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Say, mean girl. (laughs) So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord, and she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but you will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, and only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long have you been drunk? Put away your wine. That is a bad day in church when you go up for prayer, and the pastor accuses you of being drunk. <laughs> Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Anyone been there? You're pouring out your soul. If anyone looked at you, they'd think you're crazy or drunk. But no, you are pouring out your soul to the Lord. So let me find my place here. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along, I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called him Samuel, for she said, I have asked from the Lord. And if you skip down to verse um, 27, she says, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lived. He is lent to the Lord, and she, and she he worships God there. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your promises, and we thank you for who you are as our promise keeper. And God, we thank you, Father, Lord, that you are such a, an amazing God who is so faithful. We thank you that you're not a man that you should lie or like a son of man that you should change your mind. God, we just pray and we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us today, that you would encourage us today, and that we would walk away like Hannah did with our face no longer sad as we hold on to your promises. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, I had a, a, a great uh, Mother's Day week. I, I got a little unexpected blessing from my eight-year-old son. He is like eight going on 28. Do any of you have children that are like little adult people trapped in little bodies? Um, and so he made all the school lunches for me this week. I didn't ask him to. He just got up, and he did actually a really great job. So for my Mother's Day present, he gave me a coupon that he would do another week's worth of, uh, isn't that awesome? I know, I wish that I could give you all coupons for that and then take care of all your lunches, like clone little bishops to help you out because he's doing a great job. Uh, but being a mom is such a special thing to me um, because I did lose my mom at a young age and I was emancipated and kind of had a family uh, broken up situation. Um, there were many years, and maybe you can relate, where Christmas and holidays felt really lonely. And they felt like, ah, I don't really know. I feel like I'm hardwired to have a family. I feel like I'm a family girl, right? And you, and you picture the Christmases and you picture the holidays, and I pictured them with a family. But there were many years where I didn't see that play out. And there were years when I was in college where I would, sp I would spend a lot of holidays like Christmas alone in my dorm room, or I would get invited over to people's house, but it didn't quite feel the same. It was like, ah, I'm a family girl. There's family in me, but this isn't my family. And, and it was a, a long season where I felt like, is that really going to happen in my life? Or should I put a wall up and protect myself and say, I don't really want to get married. I don't really want to have kids. I'll be okay. Um, but I knew that I felt hardwired. Have you ever felt hardwired for something? Like hardwired, I'm hardwired for this, even though I haven't seen it happen in my life. And this is where Hannah in this scripture finds herself. She finds herself feeling hardwired to be a mom, but yet she doesn't have this playing out in her life. In fact, um, not only is she not seeing it happen um, in that culture, it was, it was, you were really looked down upon if you were barren. And it seems like a lot of scholars say that the reason why Elkanah took a second wife is because it was really important in that culture for them to pass on the family name. And so as Hannah's not being able to produce and not being able to have a child, he takes this second wife who ends up being kind of a mean girl, right? She's the one taunting Hannah, provoking Hannah, and reminding her of what she doesn't have. Have you ever felt like that? You were hardwired for something but yet there was always reminders in your life of what you didn't have. And that for me was Christmas. It was like a moment of taunting. Like, see, you don't really have this desire in your heart. Maybe you'll never have it. And I, I can identify with Hannah because Hannah started out with a prayer, but she didn't have a promise yet. And maybe for those of you in here, you feel like you, you don't know if it's what God wants for you yet. You don't know for sure if that's what God has for you yet. You just know you desire it real bad. You just know that it is the prayer and the cry of your heart. And you can relate to Hannah where she's pouring out her heart and her soul to the Lord. And her heart's in anguish. Like, if this doesn't happen in my life, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because I have anguish and I have anxiousness. And it's such a deep desire of my heart. 
And so Hannah finds herself with, with a very deep, passionate prayer, but she doesn't yet have the promise. And so she has this prayer, and she feels hardwired for something that she hasn't seen yet, but she's going through this, this, this time where she's being provoked because she doesn't have it yet. And I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, it's interesting to me in this passage that it says, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, that Peninna used to provoke her. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, I feel like the enemy knows right when to attack, right? (laughs) How many of you uh, were cracking up last week at Pastor Ben's sermon about Sunday morning and how he couldn't print his notes and everything was going wrong and then the gas station and we were all cracking up because we can all relate, right? Sunday mornings is not always easy. In fact, um, there's like this meme on the internet that says, uh, whoever wrote the song, Easy Like Sunday Morning, never had to get a child ready for church. Isn't that the truth? He did, he did not have kids at the time that he wrote that song, and he did not go to church, obviously, because there's nothing easy about Sunday mornings. If something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong on Sunday mornings, right? On your way to church, your marriage might have been bliss Monday through Saturday, but on the way to church, in the car, right? You know what I'm talking about. And hey, if we see each other pulling up in the parking lot and you look over and you know, just it's Sunday morning. It's, it's the enemy is working on overtime. Or how about this one, moms? You try to set your alarm, right, to wake up early the next morning because you want to be holy and have some quiet time, right? And you're thinking, I put, I put them to bed late. I know if I set my alarm for five, there's no way they're going to be up at 530, right? There's no way. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to put on that worship song, open my Bible, and then the alarm goes off, and you are tiptoeing, right? You do not want to wake them up. And then as soon as you open your Bible, it's like two minutes in, right, to this holy moment. Then you hear the little footsteps coming out, and you're like, what did I do? No, you're supposed to be in bed. Go back to bed. Uh, Or how about this one, when you're fasting? When you, nobody brings free food into work unless you're fasting, right? Is that the truth? So um, every time we fast, sure enough, Brandon's like, guess what? They brought in free pizza. This last time he's fasting and he's trying to seek the Lord and he's trying to, um, you know, do this fast at the beginning of the year and he goes into work and someone comes in and is like, we had this Mexican fiesta last night and we have all this leftover carne asada. Would anyone like free bags of carne asada? Like who gives away free bags of carne asada, free steak, except for when you're fasting, right? The enemy knows when you're trying to seek God, he's going to try to provoke you and, uh, and try to, to, to get under your skin and to irritate you. And that's exactly what Peninna did to Hannah. Every time that she would go up to the house of the Lord, she would use that as an opportunity to remind her of what she didn't have, to remind her that she didn't yet have what she so desperately desired. Next we see Hannah, and she has a promise without proof. And she goes to the house of the Lord, and the prophet, who accused her of being drunk first, after he accused her of being drunk, he um, gave her this promise that she was going to have a son. And it's a beautiful moment, but how many of you know it didn't instantly appear? The son didn't instantly appear. The womb didn't, it wasn't miracle grow. It didn't instantly grow in her belly. There was a time where she had to trust God's word to come to pass in her life, but she didn't have proof yet. And there's times in our lives when God's going to give us some promises, but we don't yet have the proof. And I know for me, 
Brandon and I started dating, and, and, uh, and I remember coming across this scripture, Psalm 68, verse 6, and it says, God sets the lonely in families. And I remember coming across that scripture, and how many of you have read a scripture, and it's almost like it just jumped off the pages right into your heart. God sets the lonely in families. And I remember feeling like that was a promise from the Lord, that now it moves from a desire in my life to a promise from God. I believed that he was going to set me in a family, that I believed that my family situation wasn't going to be broken apart, that one day Christmas and Thanksgiving and those holidays that felt really bitter in my life, that one day they weren't going to feel bitter anymore and God was going to redeem that. And I remember taking that scripture, God set, thank you that you set the lonely in families. I thank you that you see my lonely seasons and it's not always going to feel this way. And you are going to give me the desires of my heart to have a family. And I would declare that verse and I would uh, pray that verse. And as uh, Brandon on the other side, you know, he's, we're dating and it gets to the point where you need to make a decision. Like, is this my spouse? Is this who I'm supposed to marry? And that next to following Jesus, that's the biggest decision you're going to make in your life is who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, right? And so he wanted to make sure he heard from God. And so he uh, set some time out in college. And um, we always talked about how busy we were in college, okay? And we did not know busy until we had kids, right? And so if you complain about being busy in college, we will just smile and and be thinking to ourselves, just wait till you have kids. Um, And so he, he, uh, (laughs) is the truth, right? (laughs) My first class wasn't until 11. I wasn't busy. So, (laughs) but I I thought I was busy, but uh, he took a day and he said, I'm going to seek the Lord to to see if this woman is my wife. And he calls our dating season, his season of infatuation. And um, I didn't know that at all because he would sign all of his cards and letters, your brother, Brandon, or your brother in Christ. So I thought, when is this guy going to start thinking of me as more than just like, a brother. I don't want to be your brother, dude, or I don't want you to be my brother. I don't want to be your sister. I don't think of you like a brother. Stop signing the letters and cards, your brother. Uh, And so I didn't know. He hid his feelings very well, but he wanted to protect and guard my heart because he wanted to just make sure it was from God first, which was wise, but it was frustrating because I didn't want to be his sister. And so... uh, And so he's seeking the Lord, and he's like, Lord, I need a word from you. I'm not leaving this place until I get a word from you. And this is proof, you guys, that God has a sense of humor. Because God, he said he didn't hear like the audible voice of God, but it was almost the audible voice. It was so clear that he felt like he was supposed to turn to 1 Corinthians 7, 9. So he flips right to 1 Corinthians 7, 9, and it says, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So true story. You know you're burning if the Lord has to tell you that you're burning, right? (laughs) So that is proof that God has a sense of humor uh, for sure. (laughs) But for that, for us, it was really special for me to be able to have a promise to stand on during a season of loneliness and during a season where I wondered if that was going to come to pass and I love what Hannah did in the scripture. It says that she went away and her face was no longer sad. 
And right after that, she began to worship. I think this is such a beautiful picture of what we can do as believers when we grab a hold of the promises of God. Because there are thousands of promises in this word right here. And maybe you haven't got your promise for your specific situation yet. But there are so many promises that God gives to us in his word. And I believe that if we grab hold of some of those, we can act like Hannah and say, you know what? My face is no longer going to be sad about this situation because I know now the truth. I know that God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. If he says it, it will come to pass. And I believe all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to read to you a few of the promises that he gives us in his word that are so good. Um, There are so many more, but I just uh, referenced a few just as I was praying for you, um, as I was um, prepping for this message and praying. Um, 1 John 2.25 says, and this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. For those of us that know him, that's an amazing promise. He's promised us eternal life. So when you feel like this life is maybe not working out like you thought, or maybe you uh, don't know how all things are going to pan out, or you're afraid of death, or you're facing a situation where you're scared of what's going to happen in this life, and we look around our world, like Pastor Ben said, and we, we can look at the chaos, but we know that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus, that at the end of this life, it's not the end of this life. It's actually eternal life life and it's going to be a good life with Jesus. First John 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you feel unworthy when you feel ashamed when you feel like you don't measure up we can look to the promises like this and say you know what even though I feel this way I can look at this promise right now and I know that my God is faithful and just to forgive my sins and as far as the east is from the west so far he's removed my transgressions from me. For, uh, John sixteen thirteen says, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us as believers when we feel confused, when we feel like we don't know what to do, when we're seeking decisions and directions, the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. That's a promise from God's word that when we are confused, we can hold on to that promise and say, my face is no longer going to be sad. I know God's going to work this out. He's going to lead, guide, and direct my steps because he's promised his Holy Spirit to me. Just a few more, when you look at your bank account and it doesn't look like things are adding up, we can declare Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There are so many promises of wisdom, promises that when you're tempted, he's going to provide a way of escape for you. Promises that if you draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. Promises that his perfect love casts out fear. There are so many promises. Listen to this one. This is powerful. And we're talking about heaven here. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. That there's going to be a time in heaven. Maybe it's not right now, but there's going to be a time where he's going to wipe away every tear. There's no death. There's no more pain. There are some amazing promises in this word. And I believe that if we grab hold of these promises that we can be like Hannah and say, I'm going to allow them to change my whole countenance because I know that God is trustworthy and true and he's not going to fail me. So I'm going to allow it to change my whole countenance. Um, There are uh, moments in scripture when um, God uh, begins to remind us that our promise is not just for us and our happiness, but our promise is for a purpose. And when Hannah 
uh, begins to have this promise delivered to her, she realizes that it's not just so that she cannot be provoked anymore by Pinetta, and not just so that she can be happy and fulfilled and blessed and all those things are great, that she can, you know, finally have children and finally have a desire of her heart, but she realizes that there is a greater purpose for this promise. And I believe that when God began to fulfill the desire of my heart, and, and I remember um, Hannah was actually born six, week or six, six weeks early. My daughter's name, Hannah, um, my firstborn. She was born six weeks early. So after I got married, uh, she wasn't supposed to be married, uh, born until j- j- uh, sorry January. Um, and she was born on December 4th. And they could not stop the contractions. But having Hannah in my arms, my, my newborn baby, while I was surrounded by a Christmas tree and Christmas lights and stockings and Christmas music, it was like God knew that that season, that moment was going to be a redemptive and restorative moment for me, that he was going to say, I saw the seasons of loneliness. I saw the moments that you prayed to the Lord and that you cried out to the Lord and that Christmases didn't feel right and they felt sorrowful and they felt hard. But I'm going to, I'm going to supernaturally come in and make sure that I redeem this moment for you. So I will never forget the moment of holding my firstborn daughter and feeling like Christmas is not going to feel sad anymore. Christmas now is going to remind me of new life and new birth. Christmas is now going to remind me of a restorative and redemptive moment that God began to get show me that his promises were good and true. And I believe that if he can do it that in my life, he can do it for you. And I want to say this too, even if it's not a natural family. You know who was in the, the room with me when Hannah was born? Was my church family. You know who's at my baby shower? Not a single blood relative. It was all my church family. And so I believe whether in the natural or the spiritual or both, God can set the lonely in families, that he can bring you to the place where holidays like this are no longer hard and sad, but he can bring you to the place where he surrounds you with a natural family or with a spiritual family or both. And he is good and his plans are good. Amen. Finally, there's a promise with a purpose. The Lord remembered her. Whenever you see in scripture, when it says the Lord remembered someone, the Lord remembered, it's right before he's about to fulfill a promise in their life. I think that's so powerful. So she dedicates Samuel to the Lord. And and, and this was a significant thing. This wasn't like, I'm just going to raise him up like a normal child, but I'm going to dedicate him. He's going to grow up in the the house of the Lord. He eventually became a judge and a a prophet to um, Israel. And he was the one who anointed David to be king. And it was a powerful uh, story of Samuel's life, how he had such a plan and a purpose and a call of God on his life that it was more than just Hannah not being provoked anymore. It was more than just her having the white picket fence and the dog named Henry, who's super neurotic. I don't know whose dog names Henry. It's mine. Uh, he's very neurotic. Um, but it was for a purpose. And then now here we are, uh, three children in, and now he was adopted at birth. And I, my life was influenced by some people who took me in, even though I wasn't their own. And now we find ourselves realizing that God had an even bigger purpose for us having a family, but actually to take an orphan and help them be not be lonely anymore and be set into a family. And so we're in the process of still seeing God redeem and restore and bring promises to pass and show us the bigger purpose for why he gave us that promise to begin with and why the promise was fulfilled. And another purpose is for us to serve in the house of God. Who would have known 
how fulfilling and how life-giving it was to serve in the house of God. And not just to say, hey, this life is just for us to have a happy marriage and a happy family, but actually serving others was a great purpose on our life. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.